Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the CX Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Bruce Lee to my Jackie Chan. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. That was uh, I, I never get top billing. Yeah. I'm very happy about this. I, I, I kind of gave it. I gave you this one. Well, I gave you Batman that one time too. But our very oh, own, true. our very own Chuck Norris. That's right. It's Eric Ronenbeck. Eric. Man, if ever there was a tough guy from the Midwest, it sure as hell wasn't Chuck Norris. <laughs> He's a real life karate champion, Eric. You can never take that away from him. You this know, is true. It could have been worse. You could have been Steven Seagal, and you could take that to the bank. The blood bank. There's a ranger in Texas. Something something. Chuck Norris, <laughs> you're terrible. Okay, uh, I drink, kinda, <laughs> kinda. Let's get right to it. Um, so the biggest news of this week was obviously the the combine. Um, that it was the Seahawks. So the Seahawks meet with like less play, total players than basically every every other team, or at least it's it's harder to find information on who they interviewed. Um, so Kevin, of the li- big list of players that we interviewed, did you did you read the list? You want me to read it? Uh, to you really I quick? did not get the most recent version. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you the as of right now. Here's what it says. Okay, we got Nasir Adderley, Jake Browning, Andre Dillard, Jalen Jelks, Lonnie Johnson, and then. There are rumors also that we interviewed um, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, and I that's that's that. basically it. Yep. So, um, okay, of those six guys, who, who are you? Who are you so excited about? Uh, Nazir Adderley makes a lot of sense for us. He's a guy with corner safety flexibility and makes sense in our scheme. Um, Jelks is a late round guy. Might make some sense as a pass rusher. And then Dillard is I like how, a great left tackle. Uh, yeah, if Dillard's available when we pick, I'd be pretty happy with that. If Dillard's that. available when we pick, somebody's going to get fired. Um, so <laughs> Lonnie, Lonnie Johnson, though, that was a guy we last week we evaluated and said, like, eh, probably not. So so I thought that was kind of interesting. Or two weeks ago. It is, but, you know, I think we, our consensus was... He fits the body profile, for sure. Right, and our consensus was that he's being projected as, like, a third-round guy. You know, if the Seahawks think that he's going to go in the fifth... I mean, cool. Sign me up. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. He's a pro- He's a definitely a player who has the, the size size length combination that the Seahawks look for. Yeah, and he has some athletic ability. He just was a step late a lot, and he gambled in a way I didn't like. All right, um, Eric. Would any of those players uh, tickle your fancy? Uh, I mean, obviously, a, a tackle in the first round. I mean, cool. <laughs> I, I I defer to you in these situations, but really, I looked at like Jake Browning. Okay, so we're looking at all the people—not all the people, but I'm guessing two or three of those guys are people that we will uh, tender uh, picks to. The what? What do they call it? The Do you think we had a meeting with Jake Browning, or do you think that you, we were just on the, the same Alaska round. flight? Do That's you, what I wondered. We were you, on the same Alaskan Airlines flight, and they met him like at SeaTac Airport and flew over with him. Do you think that um, they challenged Jake Browning to a staring contest like they did with Lonnie Johnson? Uh, no, I think it was probably a pop gun shooting contest. Jake Browning probably blinked already, like before the this contest even started. Yeah, this is old news from last year. The whole staring contest thing. Like, didn't Michael Dixon go it, through it? It came back too. Yeah, it's, yep. like, it's like a redo. It's just what we do. Hey, and people act like it's dumb. But it's that whole, like, in a job interview, tell me a joke thing. What you're really looking for is what's somebody's reaction to it. Because I guarantee you, if you challenge Earl Thomas to a staring contest, <laughs> he'd be like, I will win. He's like, I started a long time ago. I, I've been staring at you this whole time in anticipation to ask me that question. Uh, I don't have his first name, but I want to ask Kevin, uh, Nathan, you chime in too. Uh, Jacques Polite. Who's the, who's the guy of Florida? Jacques Polite. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't that far off. 
Did you hear about that guy's combine? Uh, yeah, it seemed seemed to go poorly. <laughs> Very poorly. On the bright side, he came in overweight, couldn't run or do anything <laughs> athletic, the ba- and apparently got super inter- uh, super insulted in interview and interviewed. Freaked left. out at all the questions. Uh, Jachai polite, like the the first mock draft that um, Draft Network put up after the combine, they dropped him from like middle of the first round to like almost out of the second round. <laughs> like it, it was like like just a just a. I don't want that guy. Uh, I take him in the third. Oh, I would take him in the second. To be honest with you, I think he's. I think he's, he's got upside. I don't know about his mental game. The tape is nice. Um, he like has really good um, of that the get around the edge. The uh, bend, bend. Is that yeah, what he's got some bend. He's he's bendy. Uh, he he apparently doesn't bend at two fifty or at yeah, two hundred fifty eight pounds though. Apparently yeah. he bounces at two fifty eight. He bends at two forty five. Yeah, they 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 put they changed his weight to two sixty on all the websites. Just like right away, just here here you go. Um, okay, so um, the combine was the big story in the NFL this week, but the NFL also had a few other stories. Jason Witten off our TVs and back onto our football fields. Eric, on a scale of one to ten, how happy are you? Uh, ten, maybe an eleven. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how happy were you were you with what Stephen Smith? Or I'm sorry, Steve Smith said. Oh, you he hear said, about this? Yeah, he said. He said I don't need to. I don't need to uh, go back to playing football because I'm good at my job. Yeah, I'm good at my job. Yeah, I'm good on TV. I'm good on TV. He is a lot better on TV. Um, now, poor Boog, all alone and sucking. Eric Ebern tweeted a good tweet. He said, "All these linebackers are running four fours. I'm going to have to put away the honey buns." This <laughs> That's season. one of my favorite quotes. <laughs> that was so good. He just tweeted it himself. It was so good. And then. Um, the uh, the other thing is so there's a bunch of combine stories and we'll get to them as we go through the p- the positions because guys had good combines guys had bad combines um, I just put it on TV whenever I was home and just kind of let it play in the background um, but uh, I I think that the combine is is both it's fun because it's both way overblown and then way under underappreciated like you can learn a lot about a guy from a combine. But also, there, there's tons of guys who do bad at the combine. The slowest quarterback combine time is is Tom Brady. So yeah, they timed with a sundial. Yeah, it's it's doesn't it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter, and it also does matter a lot. Uh, the thing that I like, you hear a lot of scouts talk about this. I think it's a good look at it. When you see like these college all star games, or you see these combine stats come out, and you're going, "Hey, wait a minute! Look at that guy's three cone drill." why wasn't he higher on my list already? And then you go back and you're like, oh, he was injured his senior year and he was more productive as a junior. So we missed out on that. Or, oh, when I look back at the film, for some reason they had him playing middle linebacker even though he projects best as a defensive end. Or they had this 270-pound guy playing like nose tackle. And so using the combine to get you to go back and look at tape is a really good use of combine statistics. You know, you know what's funny too is like, like I'm okay. I'll take uh, Kyler Murray's example. Like he comes in and he he measures five ten, and everyone's like, oh, back in number one overall pick. That's all it <laughs> took. He just had to not measure five nine. Like that was all it took. And I like that people also assumed that he would measure a five five under five ten just because that's what Oklahoma had him in the media guide as. Yes, and, and they were like, they just assumed they were lying. <laughs> It's like they're adding an inch. They're adding two inches. Like he's going to measure like five eight. And there are people there going like all the way down like five five. And I mean, like he, you're like he did have up. he did have real T Rex arms, like first percentile arm arm length for quarterback, which is funny to me. Yes, <laughs> like but, you definitely have to be ready to have an offense that's willing to shuffle around. Otherwise, you're gonna have problems. Just reminds me of that. What was that movie with the T Rex? I'm a big. I'm a T Rex. I have a big head, head and little arms. arms. Yeah, exactly. So meet, meet the Robinsons. Robinsons. Yeah. We did it. 
All right. Uh, so, Jinx, um, you owe me Lone Wolf McLean's favorite drink. So, sa- <laughs> safety, safeties. There was a release today. Um, the the safety uh, Eric, Eric. Weddle. Eric Weddle got released by the Ravens yeah. to make As room. As a fellow Eric, how do you feel about that? Uh, if he's if he lands in our lap, I might be a little happier. Uh, they, they're making room for C.J. Mosley. They think that's the most important piece they need to keep on their defense in Baltimore. Um, then the uh, so the safety market is, and then Landon Collins. Collins. <laughs> they did decided not to franchise him, which you is know, just, which makes a ton of sense when you're paying Alec Ogletree ten million. You can't stretch that wallet to have, accommodate Landon you, Collins. You have a guy who, I mean, yes, he is a specific kind of safety, but. You you have him under team control. You can pay him eleven million dollars next year to just come back. You don't have like a ton of super good pieces on your defense, and you're just like, nah. You could have offered him like what did they offer Clowney? They could have offered him that tender, right? Like there was something you could have done if you weren't ten, the Giants. Ten million a year. That's what they should have offered him. Just said, hey, come back four years, forty million. You know, you can't claim that it's a problem having to build a defense around a guy when you don't have any other pieces to build the defense around. So you might as well build around the guy you have. Eli Manning. It's not like they have this great defense that like he's just the awkward piece that doesn't fit in it. He he's the defense right now. They got rid of Snacks Harris. Yeah, they're they're blowing that team up all the way apparently, and their franchise. Great all right. Move. So uh, our topic of of uh, coverage this week is defensive and slash defensive tackle. So defensive line um, on the roster right now. The Seahawks uh, franchised Frank Clark. $17.1 million franchise tag. Hoping uh, for getting him re-signed before the season starts, because that's a lot of money. They have uh, Rash- Well, I mean, he's not going to get a lot less than that. Maybe like a couple million. July t- until July 12th, though, right? Uh, Rashim- Two million is a defensive tackle. Rasheem Green, J- Jamie Mender, Jake Martin. Those are our other defensive ends. So this is definitely a position the Seahawks will be addressing this offseason. Uh, defensive tackle, Jaron Reed, Nazair Jones, and Puna Ford. I think you can probably get away with those three guys as your like, top three in your rotation, but that... That's not enough depth. So two, yeah, you need at least one more body. Two or three more guys will probably be coming in in at that position. Uh, so looking at free agency, okay, is there anybody who who uh, sticks out to you guys as someone who, you know, you're you're interested in? You're uh, you've heard like, are you guys interested in making another run at Nottam Kong Su or anything like that? Um, Eric, that was like a that was like a rumor <clears throat> last year. Eric, did you would you be into that? I mean, we were kind of we talked about it last year, and I was kind of into it. Um, if the price was right, if we get him on a one-year flyer, I don't think he's going to be doing the one-year flyer. He tried that this year with the Rams, and and it didn't go super good. Yeah, it, honestly, it went it went so bad that it was almost really good. Like he took less money, got to a Super Bowl, didn't have a great year. I think he probably would have rather have taken the money. It wouldn't have it wouldn't have been any you know worse. Like if you get to the game and you lose, it's. I don't know. You might as well miss the playoffs to in with the Lions or something. Could bring Sheldon Dolphins. Richardson back. We could oh. bring Sheldon Richardson back. There are Speaking some, of everything okay, I just said. There are some good uh, defensive interior players. Timmy Jernigan. I mean, Grady Jarrett's not going to go back to the Falcons. Uh, Grady Jarrett got franchised. Yeah, so they're not. They're, yeah, so they're not. Grady Jarrett's going to be a Falcon again. And then Michael Pierce and Shelby Harris both have RFAs. They're both pretty decent rotational uh, tackles. So then we're looking at Nottam Kong Su. Uh, we could try like someone like a little bit of flyer, like a Danny Shelton. Um, I actually would really like a Danny well, Shelton signing. He's a, he has a really high floor because at the very least he's a good run stopper. Uh, Sheldon Richardson would someone we could bring back. Like uh, Marcus Hunt uh, got a new contract from the Colts today, so he's out. Um, but Haloti Nagata is someone like a veteran. That guy we could bring in. Muhammad Wilkerson. Um, so those are some guys. 
I think Mahomes Wilkerson's washed. Like I just think he he played like a hundred snaps last year. If we're talking about a body, I'd like to see uh, our. But but like I mean, the, even like someone like Shamar Steven, like bringing Shamar Steven back mm. provides a nice like floor of you know slightly below average play that I think would be fine. I would rather try and take a flyer on Danny Shelton than bring back Shamar Steven, just because the upside's there a little more. Okay, now edge players. The edge players in this free agent class are excellent. Uh, Trey Flowers, Demarcus Lawrence, D. Ford, Lorenzo Alexander, Cameron Wake. Uh, uh, D. Ford got franchised, right? D. Ford. Really? So okay, they're trying to work out like a, some kind of like franchise and trade. Yes. Oh, um, is that what it is? Or yeah, and then and they're trying to trade Justin Houston as well. Yes. Those are both kind of um, three, four guys. So I don't think they would come to the the Seahawks. But I mean, like. Uh, there's there's tons of guys. Cam like, Wake. Cam Wake would Z be Kansa. so cool. Like he's so old. Ziggy Ansa, who I mean is kind of a reclamation project. Andre Branch, who's a who's a decently productive player. Uh, Benson Mayowa from the Cardinals. Like Vinny Curry, who's a few years removed from a really good set of years with Philly. Brian Arakpo, you can get his cupcake restaurant too. Um, yeah, that's a thing. That's a real thing. <laughs> okay, uh, so, even Alex Okafor. You know like, who, that's a solid. Well, you know who's, who's going to get overpaid this offseason that shouldn't, but like that I would be interested in at the right price. Mm. Dante Fowler Jr. Yeah, um, but the Dante Fowler is going to get way too much money from someone to. Do you think Dante Fa- who who gets more money, Dante uh, Fowler or Trey Flowers? Oh, Trey Flowers. Not okay, close. good because I would worry <laughs> oh. about that being stupid enough to happen. No, no, Trey Trey Flowers is so much better than than, than Dante Fowler. Yes, I know. That's... And Demarcus Lawrence, back up the money truck. That guy's going to get so much money, and he should. Demarcus Lawrence is awesome. Uh, that's if you could tell me, like, hey, you could just have one of these guys. Don't worry about the contract. I would probably pick Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence and Frank Clark on the same defensive line oh. would be um, a pretty absurd. Could I get Cameron Wake ten years ago instead? Cameron Wake right now is not that bad for no, a thirty-seven year old ten years player. Ago is great. Yeah, Cam- <laughs> yeah. Cameron, Cameron Wake isn't Cameron Wake ten years ago still in the CFL? <laughs> that could be, and uh, I don't care. Yep, he was a BC <laughs> Lion in two thousand and eight. <laughs> hey, BC Lion, that's your team, isn't it? Nathan? His rookie year was two thousand nine. Um, okay, I could take some uh, some X Raiders and Bruce Irvin. Maybe Coney Ely. That one. You want you want Bruce Irvin? Uh, if I can get him or like Coney Ely cheap, what do you think both as bodies? Definitely. What do you think about Terrell Suggs? Is there any chance he plays for a team that's not Baltimore? No, I doubt it. No, so so a lot they're bringing him back. A lot of people are saying like he's not going to end up with the Ravens. He's going to be on a different way, man. He's totally going to be in the. It's super weird to think of Terrell Suggs in a non. Yeah, but Terrell Suggs like Raven at this point. He was like the original guy the Seahawks should have drafted and didn't. It's like he's been a Raven since two thousand and three, dude. Yes. Like what if he go, what if he went to another team? That's like when Patrick Ewing went to the Sonics. Yeah, <laughs> and and it hopefully would work just, out much better than Sleep Train. I'll never forget Sleep Train. Or when uh, uh, was it Bruce Irvin the Kim uh, defensive Wan, end? Kim Olajuwon to the Raptors. No, the defensive end for Buffalo. <laughs> oh man, the Kim Olajuwon was, was the Raptors. Yeah, you dude, I I got so many of these. Um, wait, uh, didn't Robert Parrish play for like uh, the Golden State? <laughs> yeah, like he played for oh, a bunch of teams at the end. Bill Cartwright played for the Sonics. Um, there's just a bunch of weird yeah, ones. Yeah, Bill Cartwright did play for the Sonics. Uh, six games. Clyde Drexler on the on the on the Rockets. Um, uh, where Charles did Scotty, on the Rockets. Scotty Pippen? He played for the Blazers for like the last three years. Yeah, that's experience. what it was. <laughs> Sean Kemp with the Magic. All right, I'm done. That uh, was that was just depressing. Not not even man. not even like funny, just sad. Uh, I would do like a guy like Alex Okafor is going to be very affordable because the high end of the market's so good that he's a dude that you could pick up and get some decent like floor productivity from like he can take professional steps uh i wouldn't be like too upset about a guy like william hayes coming in to be a rotational defensive end 
Didn't uh, he get hurt last year? He did, and he's an older guy. But I'm, I don't think necessarily bringing one of those guys in is a bad thing. Yeah, um, last year he had a torn, torn ACL in week three. Um, he do- the thing about William Hayes though, Kevin, for me is he doesn't believe in dinosaurs and he does believe in mermaids. So That's right. if you didn't know that about I William about Hayes, um, I just like our type of player. Here, I'm gonna read some direct quotes. No, I don't believe dinosaurs existed, not even a little bit. I believe there is more chance you will find a mermaid than you will a dinosaur because we find different species in the water all the time. Archaeologists place bones underground like a parent would place Easter eggs. They just planted them. It's some large conspiracy. I do not believe that dinosaurs ever existed, and I think mermaids are real. I love dinosaurs. All right, never mind. I take it back. You Chris, Chris Long makes fun of him a lot for this, just just so you know. Sign um, this guy. By the way, in, I will sign to him the if we can sign contract. Chris Long to also make fun of him. Okay, so <laughs> in 2016's Hard Knocks, Jeff Fisher said, I remember him getting really excited about the potential of moving from St. Louis to Los Angeles because he knew he would be closer to the mermaids here on the West Coast. All right. <laughs> I want him. I want to do a podcast just about this guy. You want us to sign him just so we can like have him on the I, podcast and ask him like a if million he's questions. On this, if he's on the Seahawks, I'm buying a jersey. I'm surprised he wasn't in behind the curve. Okay, uh, <laughs> which I watched. You would be closer to like the origin of that. Um, All right, you guys ready for uh, some DT talk or DTD slash DE? Some real uh, like some draft talk. Some real, real talk. talk. Okay, so um, yeah. This, we turn over a few guys we could sign there. I mean, some realistic, some not realistic. Uh, the important thing is, in a year with extreme depth at defensive line in um, free agency for the NFL, like there's a lot of depth out there at D-line. This is an extremely deep D-line draft. But, so it's going to be interesting to see how the two interact with each other. Wait, the Eagles didn't pick up Timmy Jernigan's No, that's what I told option? you. What? What? I just like it. Just kind of hit me just now. Yeah, I'm not sure why they made that choice. What? I would definitely sign him. Yeah, he seems like a really solid. He's gonna get eleven billion dollars, but I'm, nah, he's not. Okay, he's uh, coming off an injury too, I believe. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, what uh, you said, Kevin, about how the market's gonna play out, though. Like, it's kind of like the safety market is is flooded over with guys who want big contracts. The D the D line contracts. There's a lot of free agents, and the D line contracts lo- got big last year. And, and there's also a lot of guys because that's what's getting valued right now. But there's also guys coming out in the draft. It's very deep, like you said. Okay, so let's go over. Um, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna classify these guys into a few categories, Kevin. I put them in. I put them in big buckets. Do we want to do like? Okay, so I'm gonna go guys that people will talk about that we have no chance of getting. Okay, those. That's the first bucket. Yep. Okay, so these are guys that will not be available in the Seahawks pick. I think, and under, there's no question under they won't any be circumstances. Yes, I'm not even saying this is a stretch. Like, and one of these guys might drop. Three. There's okay. F- uh, four guys that are in that category. Oh, I, I, I have sure. five. Okay, here we okay. go. Nick Bosa. Yep. Quinn and Williams. Yep. Josh Allen. Yep. Uh, Rashawn Gary. Okay. And Montez Sweat. And okay. that's mostly because Combine for Sweat and Gary. Sweat killed the Combine and so did Gary. And they, I think that they just pushed their draft stock high enough that teams are going to take chances on that. Gary still has classes. enough question marks. I could see him being around. But I agree with you. Everyone's, Montez Sweat was productive and had a really good Combine. Everyone's mocking him in like the top five now, which I think is absurd. Like, yep. I liked him as like a, hey, late first round flyer, let's do this. As a top 10 pick, I think it is super sketchy. Uh, uh, it's a very good chance he ends up like, in a situation okay. where he can't develop. So those five guys, I think there's no chance they fall. Like those five guys, I think they just none of them will be available when we pick. Now, there's, then there's a class of guys who will probably not be available when we pick, probably not worth talking about. Okay? Yep. So you're ready for this? Uh, do you want me to guess? Okay. You can try to guess. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Cleland Farrell. Clown? I actually think Clown Farrell, there's a chance he could fall. Um, uh, I put him one category uh, below this um, in the guys that we might actually have a chance to get. But 
That's he's. You're right. It's a good person to put in this. And Oliver. And Oliver for sure. Yeah. Um, Dexter Lawrence. Um, I think I like. He's gonna I be think, in the fringe between the two. For I me. think Christian Wilkins is the is the guy right here. You um, think Christian Wilkins is the is the first Clemson guy coming off the board? Yeah, he uh, did a lot better at the combine between the two. I think he did a lot better at the combine than I expected. Like I suspected he would do. Poorly. You thought Wilkins did better than you expected? Yeah, like a little. Oh, he was, I thought he did worse than I expected. He did like a little better. Um, I thought his explosiveness was going to be a little bit more like out there. Uh, I, well, the I, hate it when def- I hate it when D linemen don't run the three cone. Okay, this is a personal pet peeve. But do you, do you know they have to run it the same day as the forty? So like they get. I know, but I have to wait for Kevin. his pro day before I can see if I like his three cone number because your three cone number tells me kind of how you are at like turning and running down the line. And how you are bending on the edge. So as a pass rusher, your three code number is really important. And Quinton Williams is a psychopath, man. Like that forty time, he he said he ate four Oreos before he before he ran that. That's, that's one Quinn, Oreo per second. Quinton sure. Williams is so cool. <laughs> okay, um, that but that's in the definitely not available. So okay, yeah. So so I think there's just like two or three guys in this category so, okay, probably not available. Person? So I think. It's it's Ed, Ed Oliver and then yeah Christian Wilkins is the guy for me. I think as an interior okay. defender he's like a very exciting prospect. Then hopefully they fall. That's the next category, okay? And that's that's uh, Clown Farrell and Dexter Lawrence. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, I think it will be a, probably available when we pick. I love Cleveland Farrell. Um, I Cleveland think, Farrell is like Cleveland Farrell would be such a and sexy then, uh, pick to me. And then like Brian Burns and and Draymond Jones and I don't we, want Brian Burns. He's a horrible fit. Brian Burns is uh is weird too, and I think Draymond prospect. Jones had a really bad combine, and then Montez Sweat. These are guys that I think like yeah, Montez Sweat's no way. Uh, Montez Sweat's going in the top fifteen. Yeah, top fifteen. I mean, you with with his size, oh, length, the, and productivity. The other guy I forgot was Jeffrey Simmons. Kevin, that's the guy that uh, Jeffrey Simmons is going to drop because that injury is going to miss his entire first season. Are you are you like so? Okay, how, let me ask you a question about Jeffrey Jeffrey Simmons though. Do you, so you think he'll miss mo- all of his first season? I think there's a really good chance he misses his entire rookie year. Okay, he. Do you? Th- what do you think about him though? Like, he's. I think he's a really good prospect. I think he would be probably my. Mm, he's he's one of my. He's probably my top three defensive tackle prospects. So okay, yeah, he's, I, he. It's like him and Ed Oliver are either one of them is second for me. So okay, so you you would you would agree with me that he's probably better than Wilkins? Yes. Uh, so. And he's probably in a class with Rashawn Gary, but with better um, tape. He's more he's more productive than Rashawn Gary, but we'll, and he's more stout than Ed Oliver, which is why I put him like Quinn Williams is tier one. Jeffrey Simmons is like tier one. He's S tier, bro. He's but like that's S, what I mean. S-tier. Like, like he's he's tier one, how, and then like uh, Jeffrey Simmons is like tier two A, and then Oliver and. Gary are like two B and two C. What? Okay, so Jeffrey Simmons, do you th- would you pick, pick him in the first round, or do you think that early second round? Where's he gonna go? In uh, I in think the draft? you need productivity on this team from your first round pick. If we trade back, I could take him in the second. But like, I just think for, we have too many holes to fill in this yes, area of the field. That's the problem I have. We need to get we need to get a productive piece. Um from our top pick i think if we were three years ago i'd love to take a guy like this redshirt him for a year and then just have a stud d tackle after that but i just don't think we can afford to have whoever our top pick is okay sit out the entire season Now, knowing that these are a position of need and there's all these guys that are so good that some of these guys are going to get pushed around too right 
Yep. So do you want to stay in round one? Or do you want would you want to just trade out and pick kind of who the leftovers, whoever's left? Like the you know, if if the best guy's left is Chase Winovich or Jachai Polite or whoever it is, would you just want to are you okay doing that? I would I would be very happy with that. There's a few of those guys I think are gonna be sitting there at the end of one or the beginning of two that I think are every bit the player that the players going higher are. Okay. So if if the Seahawks stay in their spot, who's your dream guy? Because there's too many to talk about, so we need to just narrow it down. Who's your dream guy? Who's like the guy that you think we could actually have a chance to pick and you'd, you'd love to pick? Uh, Cleveland Farrell. Clown Farrell. All right. Clown Farrell. Okay. Um, one thing I like about every scouting report about this guy is it just says, like, leader. And, like, he was the, the leader of the defense. He was in charge of the defense. Um, I, I kind of like stuff like that, um, that he was kind of – you know, uh, really good. And he was a three down player too, which is not super common in a defense as good as Clemson's. Yep. Like they don't need guys to play three downs, but he did. He's an every down defensive end. Um, I don't think he has the highest pass rushing potential out of defensive ends in this draft, but he's a guy who gets consistent pressure. And I feel like that's a good accompaniment piece with a guy like Frank Clark who occasionally will just murder his tackle, but doesn't get, like, down-in, down-out pressure. On our third-down plays where we have a guy stand up, Clon Farrell will never be able to do that. That's just not in his skill set. But he could play He could slide inside in that. He's not so small that he couldn't do that. And he, Or he could just come off the field and play first and second down. Uh, it's it's completely reasonable to me that our third down sets just maybe wouldn't include him, and that's fine. Or certain ones would, certain um, ones wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. so so that I think that that is... Um, that is a, a, a very good call. That would be a dream guy to drop. Um, my my dream guy to drop right now, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time with it because it's like there's so many of these guys are so good, but I'm going to try to pick different than you because that was my guy too. I'm going to pick Ed, Ed Oliver. Um, Ed Oliver is falling down draft boards because I, I think it's mostly due to the fact that he's an interior defensive lineman that doesn't have um, big, big size. And I think playing next to Jaron Reed, would, this would be a, um, a scary tack, defensive tackle pairing for anyone. Ed Oliver has um, otherworldly penetration ability. He can get through the line. And um, it, the, really the only knock on him is size, which is kind of why I, I think it, it's one of those silly things where, I, like, if this guy was 6'4", 315, he'd be in there with Quinn Williams. Yeah, people would be like, this is a top five pick. <clears throat> and because he's 290... Um, and he should be, they, you know, they just, people are acting like he's small, but if you look, he never lacked play strength. I didn't, did it he, doesn't did ever he run, show on did the he video. run three cone at the combine? Kevin? Uh, he did not run three cones. He his, got bench vert and broad from him. His three cone time is going to be stupid. Like his three cone time is going to be dumb. He has the because most his elite vert and first, broad time were dumb or vert and broad jump were dumb. He has elite first step quickness, maybe the best in this whole draft. And it's what I like about him. So when you're looking at running backs and wide receivers, you look at their vertical uh, leap and their broad jump, and that's like the designation for explosiveness. Uh, Ed Oliver would be one of the best running backs in this draft. All right, so then... That's stupid. Let's go to a guy that you think will definitely be available when we pick that you would like to see us pick. Um, I'll go first. Dexter. I got Dexter Lawrence. Um, Oh, lovely. Dexter Lawrence is played on the, uh, the, the vaunted Clemson defensive line. Um, he, he's all over draft boards as high as 15, but as low as 30. I think that he kind of settles in, um, in the, on the lower end, maybe because of that, that, uh, the drug test that he had in college that people are, are scared of. 
Um, but his his um his measurables at the combine, despite the fact that he had like a leg injury, um, I I thought thirty six reps on the bench. He he was really strong, and I'm excited to see like. He's a he's a defensive tackle, you know. He him next to like I said before him, with Ed Oliver, him next to Jaron Reed, it would be a, a different dynamic. But he's an impressive athlete for how big he is, and yeah, I really like him. He's got a ton of length and size. Like you want to talk about that term we like people mover. Yeah. He is a people mover on the interior, and you watch him in college, and you'd see him against like Boston College had a good offensive line, or like Alabama's offensive line, and they'd have two dudes trying to move him, and he would just be like holding up two dudes at the point of attack I, on the double team. I like the place where he would walk a guy straight back, you know, yep. just like take a guy, get in his chest, and just walk him straight back into the quarterback. That stuff is always really impressive to me. And his pass rush numbers fell off as he basically made the move inside to nose tackle more often. And so um, his pass rush numbers are a little deceptive. He is capable of getting pressure. He has a really good first step. And if you look, when he gets his hands on the offensive lineman, the dude's head snaps back. Like, he punches. All right. Who's your, who's your, uh, definitely will be there guy? Um, are we going to do it if they trade back guy? Yes. Okay. So, my definitely will be there guy. So, this time you stole mine. You can, I mean, you got to talk about him anyway. I, uh, yeah, I did. That's because I'm greedy. Do you take, do you take, uh, do you take suggest suggestions for this? Uh, who would you suggest? I think this is a good time to talk about... Because I Christian Wilkins would be the next guy. Oh, I was going to say about. Chase Winovich. No, Chase Winovich is my trade back guy. Oh, really? I think he'll... When do you think Chase Winovich will go? Let's just talk about him now. I think he'll go somewhere between um, like 26th and 5th. 26th and then the 5th pick in the second round, so yep. like 35. I, I actually think... I actually have him pegged for 30s. So, yes, I, I completely agree with your uh, your assessment. Um, so, that's... If we, trade, if we don't trade back big, if we trade back some... I think he's a guy who's going to be like right there for us. So I'll talk about uh, Christian Wilkins because I think he's going to go a little yeah. higher than that. Christian Wilkins should it, it is in our range. It's fifteen to twenty-five. So Christian Wilkins um, was the gap penetration three technique. Uh, putting him in there with Jaron Reed, he's probably going to have a similar career progression to Jaron Reed, where he starts off being pretty stout against the run, but is developing a pass rush set. But he's a guy who can come in and take a lot of snaps right away. And you know he has a skill set that translates. You know, I got Christian Wilkins. They they moved him around on the line a lot. He played three tech. He played D end, and he was successful wherever they put him. He didn't. Yep. He didn't like get to a spot and was like, I can't do this. I, I'm terrible now. Like, and he played big in big games. And that sounds dumb, but it's one of those you're not worried about him shrinking in the spotlight or being intimidated against a big time player. He just goes out there and balls. I think the biggest thing holding Wilkins back is the fact that when you watch Clemson tape. And I've watched a lot of it now because they have like four first round defensive line pro- do. prospects. It is sometimes hard to tell who is the best of all of them because they, I think if I had to rank, rank them, Farrell's the best, but the, they're all kind of, they're all good and they all do different things and they all can, they switch them around and they, they just do a lot of stuff and they're, they're good. They're all really good. Yeah. It's a dynamic group. So that's, um. No, right, that's where I'm at on that. that. I agree. All right, awesome. so our two dudes for if they trade back. Winovich, you got Winovich. Go, do you, you want to do Winovich? Winovich? No, you got it. All right, so uh, I love Chase Winovich because he's a productive guy. In college, he put up good sack numbers. Um, not great, but good sack numbers. 
I was a little worried how his measurables were going to look in the combine, but they really confirmed what I saw on tape. He's got a 6943 cone, which anything under about 7.15 is considered to be like a really strong three cone. And when you watch, he's a guy who can uh, give a quick first step and he gets, um, especially has a really good inside move where he'll just kind of like dip and get into the guy or he can like rush outside. He has... A pass rush set, he understands how to plan to set up the offensive lineman. He can handle the pass and the run, so he's a three-down defensive end. I don't think he's going to be an elite sack guy. I actually think he's going to be kind of like Frank Clark, where he won't be a Tier 1 pass rusher in the NFL, but he'll be like a Tier 1B pass rusher. And having a couple of those guys is a really good thing. Uh, The other thing is... This is an effort guy. Like, if the quarterback hangs on to the ball, he is going to find you, and he's going to put you in the ground. Mm-hmm. And I think that matches up well with what our defense tries to do. All right. I'm going to go with Jerry Tillery. Yes. Um, Jerry Tillery is That's what a, I was going to go ex- with if you ex- went with He is an explosive interior defensive athlete. Um, I don't really have a lot to say about that. I think he's a 3-4 end. In the, at the end of the day, I don't think he's going to end up on the Seahawks. It's kind of a weird fit because... He's somewhere in between what we look for in our defensive tackles. But he played three uh, tech in at Notre Dame. Then there's no better pass rushing interior defensive lineman in this draft, though. Despite the fact that we just talked up a bunch of interior defensive players, uh, I think that he has really good, uh, really good pass rush set. He's he's smart. I wanted him. He's he's got a lot of size that he doesn't use super well yet. So he could be there. Might be ability to coach him up to a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he played a little bit below his because he's huge. He's six six. Yeah, he's six um, six, about three hundred. He's not small. So, um, yeah, that's my. Uh, he has massive length. That's the big thing. Is you notice this in college? His arms are so long. He's a pain in the butt for every interior lineman because usually interior linemen have like thirty two inch arms. He's got thirty four inch arms, yeah. and he has like quick firing hands. And you can see when he gets his hands on a guy. Like, uh, go watch his tape against Stanford. Stanford has a good interior offensive lineman, Nate Herbig. Not, like, great, but good. There's, like, three or four plays where he just gets his hands on the chest pad and just puts the dude on roller skates and pushes him back as long as he wants. It is gross. Yeah. Um, One thing about Jerry Tillery you should know. In 2016, he went on a Trittle rampage in which he indirectly suggested LSU's less miles to replace Brian Kelly. Um, <laughs> which um, I'll say this: uh, don't do that. But you're but you're right. <laughs> Brian Kelly kind of sucked. Twitter rampage. I uh, just wanted to say that about Jerry. of all the kinds of rampages you can go on, a Twitter rampage is more acceptable than Jerry's. Ours. But is this funny to me? All right, uh, mid round prospect that you like, Kevin. Who's your who's your uh, mid round prospect that you that you are excited about that you think? Okay, this guy could be someone the Seahawks could could sneak in late, snag, and then... Uh, Are we talking like round three or four? Yeah, like round three, round four. All right, there's a bunch of guys that I really like in this range. Um, can I give one sure defensive guys. end and one defensive tackle? Sure, that's fine. Okay, so uh, I want to talk about Max Crosby. Mm-hmm. So Max Crosby's from Eastern Michigan. Um, he's like about 6'5 or so. Uh, he has a frame where he could put on some good weight. His speed solid. His combine numbers really helped answer some questions because playing for Eastern Michigan, he looked dominant all the time. But he was playing against teams that Eastern Michigan plays against. So <laughs> uh, you would get a chance to see him every once in a while in 
games against higher level competition and he could hold his own. But seeing him come in to the combine and really confirm what you saw on tape, like he had a six eight nine three cone, which is a really strong three cone. Like those are the, he put up some Chase Winovich kind of numbers. His athletic numbers, his uh, vertical jump and his broad jump were really strong. He had a four six six forty. Uh, he's got like thirty three inch arms, so he's ticking off a lot of boxes here that you really want to see. And he was pretty productive at a smaller school. So he's a guy where if he'd have shown this at Michigan instead of Eastern Michigan, we'd probably be talking about him in like the early second round. Instead, we're talking about him probably in like the third or fourth round, and he could end up being a steal. Okay. Um, who's your who's your uh, in- interior guy? All right. So my interior guy is Kalen Saunders. So Kalen Saunders is out of Eastern Illinois. Um, he kind of went viral for doing backflips in the rain at the senior bowl practice. Um, or sorry, Western Illinois. Uh, he's six foot three twenty four. He's got a very similar body type to Puna Ford, but with a faster first step. So he'd be like if Puna Ford was a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and. Just the thought of putting him in the D-line rotation and how much interior offensive linemen would just hate us because we have Naz Jones at like 6'6 and Jaron Reed at 6'4 and then we have these two six-foot guys with long arms that we can bring in and just thinking about their line having to adjust what we could do would be awful to deal with. And I think Saunders has the physical ability and the productivity that he could be a good player that might be available in like the fifth round. All right. I'm going with Ben Benegu. He uh he had the best combine of like any edge player. He ran a four six two forty. He forty inch vertical jump and a seven second cone drill. He looked gross on the um, field. Like he was huge. Like I don't understand he's like six three two fifty, but he moves <laughs> like he's like a running back. It's dumb. Uh so yeah, he's a kind of a project. Uh, his tape is not like super great. Um, when he's in a two point stance, it's like not super pretty. Um, but he has like actual pass rush moves, and he is an insane athlete. Um, he might go like in the third, fourth. I'm thinking like in there, maybe up to the second if someone just falls in love with the athleticism. Uh, but. But uh, someone that I think the Seahawks should keep an eye on, um, just as a kind of insane athlete perspective. All right. Yeah, that's my uh, my note on him is uh, big time athlete has no pass rush plan whatsoever. He has like he does moves, <laughs> but it doesn't seem like that. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't seem like he he's thinking about what he's doing. He's just guys he, like coach told me to do this. <laughs> I got I got these six moves that I can do them all real good. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's my. Uh, yeah, as a project, you could do a lot worse than like I mean, basically a, T- a big running. It's back. like he's like the exact opposite of the other TCU edge guy, uh, uh, Collier, Collier, which is like Collier's like like the like non-explosive athlete who like um, but like can do other a lot of other things, you know. And uh, like he like push pulls guys. He's really strong, but he's not like a like a bendy freak athlete. This guy's the exact opposite of. It's weird that they both. I mean, it makes sense that they were together. Actually, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. Can I talk about a few other combines that I thought were interesting before we go to the the, the money zone? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think people are like wetting themselves over uh, the DK Metcalf combine. Yes. And I think it's fair. He looks really good in a t-shirt and he's really, really fast. But I want to 
pump the brakes on DK Metcalf. Um, he's good, and I think he's a good NFL prospect. But he'll need time to develop, and he and picking him in the top ten is very uh, early two thousands Lions. That that's that's my DK Metcalf take, and I just want to plant my flag in that early so that I can really stick with it. I think there's a thing that people need to keep in mind at no point in his college career did he show he can get in and out of breaks in a good way he He ran very simple route trees he was either vertical or you just threw it to him like shallow and he took the ball and ran with it. he had good like slant routes like now his quarterback sucked yeah yes and so you'd be like cool that pass was within 10 yards of him i'm glad that he had a chance at that one but but he he's limited in what he can do, but it is undoubtable that once the ball is in his hands, he's capable of doing some really interesting things. Okay, uh, Greedy Williams has fallen down like everyone's draft board, uh, so he, to the point where he'll definitely be available in the Seahawks pick. Uh, so that's I'm okay with that. That's someone you can keep an eye on as like a potential, maybe like slight trade back or uh, just pick option for the Seahawks. Um, uh, can I talk about another person? The safeties should all be available. Maybe Adderley passed us up. He did still. He did pretty good at the combine. Kind of proved the tape wasn't a fluke. And, yeah. Uh, but he he might not be available. But Chauncey Chauncey Gardner Johnson and uh, and the Deontay Thompson will both be around at the beginning of the second round or the end of the first round when we have our first pick. Uh, Juan Thornhill confirmed a lot of what I saw on tape too. He had a really good combine. Mm-hmm. Juan Thornhill went up up draft draft boards too um i've seen him yeah he'd be a second round guy now whereas he might have been a borderline third before agreed uh a guy i want to talk about real quick is marquise hollywood brown okay the wide receiver out of oklahoma people are making a huge deal out of the fact that he came in um he's only 5'9 he came in at 166 pounds Mm -hmm. um he's coming off of a uc sprain um and surgery so he's gonna come in light. He hasn't been able to like bulk up and work out. He's yeah, a he, guy. He couldn't drink like a thousand gallons of water like all these other guys to blow it up. He's a guy who was probably playing like in the mid one seventies and lost weight due to injury, surgery, and not working out. And he's a guy who probably could have gotten up to like one eighty five for the weigh in. And if he'd have gotten up to one eighty five, no one would have said anything. I bring this up because now he's a guy who was a fringe round one dude who might be dropping, like, late round two, early round three. His t- and he is an outside receiver who would be a really interesting fit in our offense. He's so fast. And he just gets open. Like, I think that's... People fixate on having a big receiver, and that's good for certain situations. But if we've seen anything with the Seahawks, it's we need a receiver who gets open. However they do it, if you can get a step and a half, and if you watch Marquise Brown's tape at Oklahoma... That dude is always a step and a half beyond everybody or more. Yeah, he would have beat Paris Campbell in the 40, I think. Which, I Or at mean, least Rand's very similar. He'd be right up there. And he's got pretty similar size to Andy Isabella, who's suddenly getting a bunch of love. So you, you're, not, you're not into UMass wideout prospects, Kevin? I actually like Andy Isabella, but he's a slot receiver, I want, so I don't like him for a system. He I never want, played on the outside. I want to remind everyone that um, Keenan Allen ran a 4.740 at the Combine. Um, Lil Jordan Humphrey ran a 4.7540 at the Combine. I still love Lil Jordan Humphrey. <laughs> I'm gonna plant my flag in this. If the Seahawks draft Lil Jordan Humphrey in like round, I don't know, four, five, I'm so I'm so in on the highest of the highest order. But um, do you know why his name's Lil Jordan? I don't care. But you know, tell me, uh, was he, he named a, after Harold Miner? No, his big brother. 
uh, like you know, the, his they parents were doing that thing where like uh, let the older child name the younger child. Is that because that always works really well? Oh, um, that's how have gone with Frankenstein. That's how a former uh, coworker of mine's first name ended up being Robin Hood, all one word. That's another story, but I. Uh, he he was really into Michael Jordan at the time, and so he wanted to name him Michael Jordan Humphrey. But mom thought that was too normal. She wanted to <laughs> she wanted a little spice on that name, so instead it was Lil Jordan. And now we have the wonder in our earth that is Lil Jordan Humphrey. And I'm I just thought looking that you at could Kevin, all. Kevin, are, are, are you are you with me on the Lil There's Jordan? There's nothing Lil, Lil about Lil Jordan Humphrey. No, he's huge. The, uh, that's his that's his biggest asset. He's yeah. six foot three, and he like muscles people out of place. He he's weighed, a slot receiver. That's the only thing. He weighed two ten at the combine. He's Keenan Allen. Yeah. I think his upside is Keenan Allen, and his downside is bad Keenan Allen. I don't know how much he fits into our offense. So Chris is Hogan, my I guess. big question. Nah. Yeah, Chris Hogan, basically. <laughs> is, uh, I don't know how much he fits into our offense, but yeah. as a player, I think he has a skill set that will play in the NFL. I I think that if he drops because of his 40 time, then those teams are making yeah. weird choices. I mean, that's that's what pe- what's happening. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's going to drop. Well, there's what draft Twitter says. There's what draft quote-unquote experts say. And then there's what's happening in NFL rooms. I mean, like, would you rather have Nikhil Henry or, or Lil Jordan Humphrey right now? Like, Nikhil, Nikhil Henry Harry, also, also, uh, had a ba- also had a bad combine. Uh, uh, I don't know, man. Those are, like, really close players for me. I really like both of them, though. Like, that's the thing. If we ended up with one of those guys in this draft, I'd be very pleased. I don't like Nikhil Harry that much. Oh. All right. I just think that he's he's similar. Like... He reminds me of like um, what's who's a big receiver in the NFL? Uh, Allen Robinson. Uh, I understand the comparison. Demar- Demarius Thomas. Like, I haven't really seen when I watch the tape. I don't see Nikhil Harry with an ability to go up and take the ball away from someone. I think his athleticism has better upside than Will Jordan Humphrey, but uh, I think that his his tape is not as good. Like I just he's very hit or miss. I guess we should save this for wide receiver day. Yeah, we're burning. Weeks. We're burning too much of our. He did have. He did have as many, as many uh, reps on the bench press as DK Metcalf. Take that Instagram, uh, DK Metcalf, body lovers. Okay, I'm serious. Hollywood Brown. If he weighed a, if he weighed 180 pounds, he'd be a first round pick, and this could be our chance to Tyler Lockett us a receiver. Hey, uh, back to D line to end this on. Is there any player that is getting kind of hype or uh, being talked about? That uh, we would take who you don't want to see. Or Sean Gary. Uh, like a defensive lineman that's getting hyped that I don't want to Or like, take. I shouldn't say hyped, like a, that is that is maybe mocked to us or around our area. Uh, can I explain my hatred for Rashawn Gary as a draft pick? Please. Uh, just because I like him and I think he's a very athletic player. My issue with Rashawn Gary is that he's not shown an ability to grow and learn and understand how to implement pass rush moves or anything else in a consistent way and so it makes me worry that he's a guy who um despite having all the athletic ability in the world i don't know if he can really put it together in a consistent way that justifies a top 20 pick nathan who do you have like who would i be scared with if we reached for them yeah or that if if they fell to us that on the d-line that you'd be like ah i like i'd be fine with all of the guys that are getting picked what about brian burns Brian Burns is, would be fine. Really, I didn't. I didn't do the deep study like you guys do because I really. I just watched a little of the combine, but he seems too much of a project. Like a guy I don't want. Uh huh. Brian Burns is a little bit of a project. He'd also be like a third down guy. I'm really irritated with the whole he's first round doing like nothing. Chris Clemens. He's too. He's, he's he weighed in at like two thirty. 
He's like, lanky. No, he he's, weighed in at 249. He did? But he had like a water gut. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. He, he weighed in at 249, but like, it wouldn't surprise me if he weighed in and then the immediately the had to go pee off like 10 pounds. Um, like, <laughs> Brian Burns Brian Burns had a really good combine. Like four, he did. He ran a 4.53, he did a seven second cone drill. Um, but he is a pass rushing three four outside linebacker. Yeah, he's not a scheme fit. I would, I would be interested in what our plan was for him if we picked him. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, bec- I do think the Seahawks could play a three four. I just don't think they want to. You know, like the, the personnel we have now. You yeah, could, Frank Clark could be a really Frank good Clark three could four be a good, really good. End. Yeah, he could play the JJ Watt role, and then you put Jaron Reed Jaren on the other, on the other side, side of three four, and then the middle the nose would be uh would Naz be, Jones, and then get a guy. No, it wouldn't be and Naz Jones. Ford, it'd be, be Puna Ford. Yeah, Puna Ford would play nose, I think, in our system. Naz Jones played nose in a 3-4 North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I don't trust Naz Jones to stay healthy at this point. But, but Okay, that's fair. But uh, but it is a, it is fair. Um, Jerry Tillery. All right, here we go. Jerry Tillery. Yeah, someone we draft. Dexter Lawrence. But I think, like... Dexter Lawrence could play nose all day. And then we could play outside linebackers with, you know, Jacob Martin. and uh, Putting Dexter Lawrence at nose is like playing a 4-4. <laughs> 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 he's so big. He's 360 pounds. Dude's here. And he looks big for 360. <laughs> he's like, remember when I always used to say, like, on this podcast, like, I wish the Seahawks had just, like, a really fat guy. Like, that would fulfill my dream. Um, all right. Let's... He's just huge. And he weighed in. That's the thing. He weighed in at 349. And he looks enormous. But dude carries it. He's got some uh, Vince Wolf work in him. Right. For I um, want to thank our Patreons. If you want to join the Patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and donate to our podcast, help us out a little bit. Um, you could be like Forrest, Richard, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Chuckatilla, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Michelle, Matt, Michael, Josh, Brian, William, Russell, Kevin, Cody, Kimberly, Nick, and our newest Patreon, Scott. You're the man now, Scott. Welcome, Scott. Um, okay. So all those people, plus... Um, I just want to, uh, we watched a movie this week and if you were always wondering like, how does the bread get buttered in movie zone? What are the, these guys group watch movies together? Uh, so we use like a, an app to do it, uh, to watch movies together. And on Sunday, if you're on the Patreon on Sunday nights, uh, head over and around eight or nine on Saturday nights, we'll, uh, we usually, uh, fire up a movie, uh, or earlier i'll post the. it, it uh, really it depends on when odin wants to go to bed i'll post a rust <laughs> estimate of when we're doing it on the day uh like of basically it is plus or minus 30 minutes depending on when uh nathan's baby feels but, like but going one, to sleep but one thing you can do is just go on there there's a um there's a link in the patreon you click it and you just add me as a friend on the app and then when we're group watching a movie you'll know because <laughs> it'll yes. pop it'll pop up on your phone and it'll give you a phone alert and then you can just watch it with us you can be part of the movie club yeah you can you can uh you can join us for for movie club all the uh, inappropriate comments and together laughter we share. Oh my gosh, this week was great. Okay, so, <laughs> so speaking of this week, uh, this week we group watched um, a, a movie that that, uh, that was certainly a movie. Which out of uh, it nowhere, was not a it, film. it felt like Kevin just got a, a sign from the heavens or was flipping through a catalog and said, yeah, why not? Well, we were looking up 80s action movies and I was like, I'm going to find the dumbest title I can find. And then I was like... Does that say Lone Wolf McQuaid? So we watched... And then I clicked on it, and it said starring Chuck Norris. I was like, that's going to be bad. And then I read what the movie was about, and I was like, that's going to be really bad. What is the the synopsis for this movie? Uh, Let's see. Nathan is on the page. Nathan, would you like to... Uh, Okay, you want me to read the... I just want to know what Kevin remembered from it, because it's it's pretty... (laughs) I mean, it can't... Uh, Let me get... uh, 
Okay. <laughs> let me, possible, let me get this on IMDb. Possible alcoholic. No, no, no. Okay, so it says, The archetypal renegade Texas Ranger rages war against a drug kingpin with automatic weapons, his wits, and martial arts after a gun battle leaves his partner dead. All of this inevitably culminates in a martial arts showdown between the drug lord and the ranger involving the woman they both love. Uh, there are two factual errors in that write-up. The, is he a drug king? He doesn't have a partner. Uh, number one, that's not his partner. That's just an old guy. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, was it Ramos, Ramos. His partner? Yeah. <laughs> so Ramos getting the short shrift on that one. Here we go. The, the tagline, the mad dog criminal, the lone wolf lawman. The ultimate showdown. Uh, uh, congratulations on having David Carradine and Chuck Norris, two people who can actually do martial arts, executing the dumbest looking fight scene I've ever seen in my this life. Is so many accurate. cuts and so many like, yeah, it was just such a poorly shot and fight so scene. so many guns. Uh, David Carradine seemed like he was high on LSD during he that fight scene. probably was. Kevin, read up on David Carradine. Let's just, let's just put that out there. The best there. part is black exploitation actor Leon Isaac Kennedy being in this movie. Just, just doing <laughs> doing so many. I was just like cracking up the Dude, whole time. and there's a hard N-word drop there. And I was like. In the helicopter. Yeah. I was like, whoa. And then he. Uh, yeah, I mean, that guy's in the OG sex tape, man. Like the first sex tape ever, <laughs> ever made. Uh, Leon Isaac Kennedy was in it. Uh, so that's pretty sweet okay so chuck norris plays jj mcquaid a uh, a texas ranger who uh, plays by his own rules let's uh, you know the why? movie like kind of hard opens with like him stopping some horse thieves some some mexican horse thieves and they they like hard cut to his chest which has a ranger logo on it and then they show the ranger logo and then they show him shut a door and it has a ranger logo on the side of the car they're really driving home this guy this guy's a texas ranger like yeah. that means something to me chuck I norris are loves texas, texas rangers <laughs> yes so then McQuaid, uh, McQuaid goes ahead and, uh, you know, all these cops get captured and McQuaid saves them all but one. One dies. Yep. Uh, and uh, one of the cops that, that he saves, you know, he's like, he's like, whoa, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Uh, thank you so much for saving me. Uh, and it's just like. And then and then Norris is like, oh, alone. Yeah. Because then, then, <laughs> that's his only response for the yeah, first 30 has, minutes of the movie. There's no response to that. And he's like, come on, kid. Show some respect, you it's know. Just like, like a tropical. I will. <laughs> I will say this about the uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid. It's a way too long. Like well, twenty it is, minutes too long. It's the movie stops getting interesting outside of comedic reasons shortly after this horse thief angle. Because <laughs> then that's <laughs> it's really the Valerian of uh, <laughs> modern of of eighties. Uh, well, well, the beginning is Texas Western. Okay. It's kind of shot with Ra- some sort of Ramos though the the, the moments. his comedic relief uh, partner in the movie. <laughs> comedic see a guy just astonished at Lone Wolf McQuaid. Yeah, I'm just putting surprised. on a shoe. So I'm just a- surprised he got back into this movie after finishing filming Chips. So Ramos in the first first time so he's first seen in the movie then they they the, the boss tells him like mcquade you need to be clean cut show some respect for the badge you know and then he's, he's like, literally just reading lines from other movies and he's holding a ruler while he does it and he's like he's like scolding lone wolf mcquade with a ruler That's and it's right. like it's so stupid and then and then uh ramos so then ramos is like he's like i'm your partner now and then mcquade's like i don't need a partner so then ramos goes to mcquade's house which is like the uh, Piss floor, p- flop house, like the worst house in the entire world. Well, when and you're down on your luck, lone wolf cop, what do you expect? And he, so anyway, when when uh, Ramos well, comes in, he, there's a first of all, there's an actual wolf. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's start with that. Which, let's be honest, this is uh, of all the coyote looking wolves this is the most coyotiest looking now the other thing that stinks about this is it's total foreshadowing just from the name of the movie it's lone wolf you can't have two wolves this is so, true so this is not lone wolves 
So anyway, Lone Wolf McQuaid, he's got no shirt on. He accosts Ramos with his gun, shoots above his door, and Ramos runs away. And then starts well, shooting the, at well, his car. Cha- well, the wolf chases after yeah, him. Yeah, the wolf chases him. He, Ramos goes up to the a hill and starts watching Lone Wolf McQuaid through his binoculars. Lone Wolf McQuaid is putting on a shirtless shooting exhibition where he is rolling around <laughs> and shooting targets and stuff. That's uh, accurate. He is he is literally doing like what you did when you were six. This is the best doing part somersaults of the and shooting at nothing. I like how he proceeds to miss most of the rest of the shots he takes in the movie, but he hits every single shirtless oh, he, shot. He nails these shirtless shots. Yeah. So then, then um, then so then he comes back down to talk to McQuaid again. McQuaid drives away and then and then Ramos tries to chase him in his car but McQuaid's got the high wine turbocharger in his yeah. uh, in his crappy SUV. He literally just pushes a button and they speed the film up in a in... 1980 Dodge Power Wagon. Yes, this is the uh the vehicle that O.J. Simpson wished he would have escaped so, in. So then he, he goes to like see his... He's driving to go see his ex-wife, who's with his daughter. And they're still on good terms. They're friends. There's clearly an awkward sexual tension between the daughter and we, Chuck Norris. We all kind of... So we talk in these threads during the movie. And I was thinking, like, when his daughter comes up, he's like, Daddy! I'm like, is he going to have sex with his daughter? Oh, that's not an appropriate joke. I better not make it. And then Kevin immediately types... He's going to have sex with his daughter. He did not have sex with his daughter. I can confirm that. Um, but, uh, okay, his wife and him, obviously, like, there's still something there. It's uh, it's very weird. Yeah, and the then, nagging is still there. She's like, she's like, um, when are you going to settle you, down? You definitely can tell why they're divorced. Um, and then, uh, so then he he meets his daughter's girlfriend, and he's actually really boyfriend? cool about it. Boyfriend, boyfriend sorry, boyfriend. boyfriend. And his her boyfriend is, uh, he's like a, a he's future a marine. Yeah, he's going to, like. He's joining the Marines. He is so the, the softest <laughs> Marine you've ever seen. So then, anyway, Sally and Bobby. Sally's his daughter. Bobby's the boyfriend. They're, uh, they're excuse me, Bobby what? Bobby Drew. Bobby, Bobby Drew. Drew. That's his. That's his whole name. Bobby Drew. Bobby Drew. Uh, they're they're up on the hill making out. You know, and it's like it's like a real awkward scene. And then he she's like, "Promise you're not gonna try to make out with me." And then he like jumps on her anyway. And he's, he's, he's like, like, "You prom." It's like he, really gross. He tackles uh, her in the front seat, and they just kind of roll and laugh. It's a very wholesome then, making out. But then Bobby Drew notices there's about a thousand flares on this road. <laughs> they're up on a hill, and he looks. What what's going on down there? And you see this humongous operation where there's like a million flares in the road and then oh and it's like an army mul- convoy and like floodlights and then an army convoy so then the army convoy rolls through and he's like he's like what's going on down there and then he sees the army convoy get robbed and then they just murder bobby drew like so there's a guy on the hill next to them that was like watching them he just that's appeared. my favorite part is the the car is like maybe 15 feet away so when baba drew decides he's gonna start the vehicle then they turn on the lights and so he would have basically had to walk past this car to get to his car and somehow missed it. So, like, clearly this guy wasn't going to last very long in the I, Marines anyway. I, I don't understand. There's so many things. They're on He'd a be hill. the only guy that died in Grenada. They're on the top of the hill looking down a hill at literally hundreds of flares in the road. Like, I cannot express to you enough. There are so many flares in the road. How did they not notice these flares? And there's, there's a, an operation a bad guy car they needed to see. 10 feet from their car. It's like so. Instead of shooting both of them, they shoot Baba Drew. Well, don't forget they dramatically turn on the lights. Like, haha, yes. we were here. And then they shoot Bobby Drew. They yes. shoot him, but after they shoot Bobby Drew, she he, he she hides falls inside in the, car. the car and she's screaming really loud. So I don't know how they don't hear. Her. No, no. So I think instead of shooting her, they decide to well, they drive do... up 
They the shoot. Car. They shoot through the door quite a bit. Oh, that's true. They do, and then the they push the car off an embankment and in order rolls. to kill her. Well, it's I don't know. It doesn't work though. It doesn't work. She ends up in the hospital with like a light ankle sprain. She has a and cut on her head. Amnesia because she never remembers that she had a boyfriend who was murdered in front of her. So then, <laughs> so then we that plot point is completely I, I dropped. Do, I do think we met. We met. We met. Missed something. Um, that. First of all, there's a part where where Momo Fukui went horseback riding with his daughter, and then that was at the, no, that was before that was this. Before. Oh. And, and, and then, they meet. That's right. They meet uh, Old Ranger. They meet. Well, they meet Old Ranger up with Old Ranger, and he's like, "That's a that's a tough horse." And then she like runs off, and the horse goes crazy. And then this woman <laughs> comes and saves her from the horse, and it's like Lone Wolf McQuaid's uh, dream girl or something. She's and, like a generic exotic woman from the '80s who may have been in a Cinemax movie, but you just don't know. Yeah. Um, so. And then, and then it turns out she's uh she's, but her boyfriend is uh, David Carradine who is uh, who set up a martial drug. arts exhibition next right. to the rodeo. So then they're they're up there. Naturally, she's like, she's like, like you do. She's like, please come to my party. My husband and or my boyfriend and I will be there. And then she, they go to the party, and like the boyfriend is a European martial arts champion. Right, he's a martial arts champion, and they're doing a bunch of like weird stuff. And th- it's like the weirdest party. And then there's a there then there's a little man in a wheelchair. Uh, mechanized wheelchair mechanized wheelchair in a suit that's like over overseeing the whole thing and like laughing maniacally this is the best character in the movie it is the best character but the minute you see him I like when he goes up the ramp to sit at the fancy desk oh (laughs) I like when I like when he uh, taps on it and then the wall swivels whoa, whoa, whoa. around. You don't go, don't go there. That's alert. the best scene in the movie. I don't care. It's, it's, I'll mention his main. The minute times you see this guy, though, he's obviously a in charge big of deal. Yeah, he's he's the head villain. He's Mister Big. That's ooh, Kevin. Nice dig. I'll say this: I think the movie's failings uh, primarily are on not putting this guy in more scenes. Uh, we'll talk about our fixes at the end. Okay. okay. So then. Um, Okay, yeah. so then there's there's the Baba Drew scene, and then there's I. Uh, You're at the Kung Fu rodeo, well, and then they're, they're, they show like David Carradine's character, and then he's like doing a deal, and he's like, "I don't count the money. Trust is important in a business relationship." And then there's like a like a sketchy Cuban guy in the most generic Cuban hat, and he's like, "Well, then then he pulls out a gun on him. He's like, well, then give me load up the stuff. We're taking the money and the guns.'" And then David Carradine kills that guy. And it's like the stupidest. Scene. It's like trying to establish him as like. Some kind of badass because he roundhouse kicks the gun out of the guy's hand and it's it's so dumb. Um, His pants are clearly too tight to perform that move. All right, so (laughs) it looks real stiff. Special Agent Jackson comes into the scene now. He's going to work with Ramos. Oh, um, the woman shows up at Lomo Fuquade's house and cleans cleans his house for some reason. (laughs) Just like starts cleaning it. She's instantly attached to him. Lomo Fuquade gets gets frustrated and like starts like pulling all his beers out of the garbage and stuff and she's like you're gonna drink yourself to death i'm like what is going on in this scene this relationship has gone like from zero to 100 and he hasn't had a drink all movie not to mention no he did once remember when she goes to the bar to order and she's he's he's like you can have a a heineken a michelob or a or a dos equis and he goes i'll pass and then she looks at the bartender and goes bottom shelf and he pulls she pulls out some crappy beer like that he wants to drink shit. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. like she sh- takes him to a bar where he immediately gets into a fight and they leave yeah. and then they leave that also happened 
Because this movie didn't know what it wanted to do. Yeah, they're trying to play this. He's a he's a raging alcoholic with demons angle. But Except it's Chuck Norris, and he doesn't have enough range to just, play alcoholic Chuck Norris. He may just be a beer collector. So there's a good action set piece where, he's like... a beer enthusiast. Um, where Chuck Norris is trying to figure out who's in charge of this uh, weapons cartel that... Uh, hijacked the truckload. Hijacked the truckload because they almost killed his daughter. He and goes he to, like... uses the computer. Goes to, like, a clothes factory. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, a nerd there that he has to capture. And Aramos, like, learns to be a man and, like... And Who's the nerd, Eric? What's that? Who's the nerd, Eric? Oh, it's the guy from a Newhart show. <laughs> it's the guy L- from the Bob Newhart Dar- show. Larry. Uh, oh. who has, you might remember him for his brother Daryl and his other brother Daryl. Yeah, he actually had a lot of a lot more acting range than anyone else in this movie. He was one of the better actors in the movie, that's uh, true. Yeah, Mustache interrogates him, and then some uh, drug lords yeah. come and kill they, Mustache. They get, yeah, they give him to like the, his old friend, my Mustache. Yeah, Old Ranger, and uh, they kill old Dakota. Yeah. They they uh, they murder Dakota. Ramos can't do anything in time. And also, they also murder the nerd. Mustache slash Dakota. He's got a t- tarnation. Blah blah blah. It's I he gotta has, say something moderately racist. He refuses. Hold, so it's okay. Yeah, he refuses to button his shirts. Cool thing about um, Dakota though, that guy's still alive. <laughs> Ninety one. Good okay. for him. Um, I know he was in the Zorro movie with Antonio Banderas. He was it. He was in uh, Hang 'Em High too. Uh, okay. The um. So then they. They go to uh, they, okay. So then, there's so much stuff that weird stuff that happens at this point. Um, they find uh, like an arms training headquarters in the desert. Wait, and- we still have to go back to when he confronts the uh, the little man because he thinks that the little man's responsible because he's like oh, one yeah. of the kingpins, and then he's like. I'm not responsible, McQuaid, but I'm watching the game. It's something like and that. And then he he's starts like, laughing. Like these, yeah. both these voices are well, perfect. So he, uh, he, like McQuaid, turns around to look at something while they're talking, and he backs into the wall, knocks on it like twice, and the wall does one of those like Scooby Doo pivots, and then he disappears into the wall yeah, with but- his. with his mechanized wheelchair. But he does. He say then, like, "I have to go," and then. He like his dis his like disembodied voice is going into the room like <laughs> like uh, sorry I have an appointment but I'll be watching or something like yeah, that really he's, weird because he's watching yeah that's like his thing is like it's he's so, always watching it's it. so dumb um and then okay so then I was just about out of the movie and then that season ha- that scene happened I was back in okay so then they they get to this like dr- drug uh, gun training headquarters in the desert and uh, like McQuaid and Ramos try to stop them they get in a gunfight and then McQuaid gets caught. And he starts getting beat up, and then, and then, um, and like Ramos is on the hill with like a gun. There's no ammo left. And he's like, "What am I supposed to do?" You know, like I don't like, get out of here. Yeah. And so, so McQuaid, McQu- what they decide, we're not gonna just kill McQuaid. We're gonna bury him in his car in the dirt. So they, oh, because they, put they his, like to push vehicles off of cliffs. So they put the they put the truck into like a big hole, and they start covering it in dirt. And then so then we smash cut to like McQuaid in the car and he's got the dome light on and he's like crying and then he has a beer somehow and and he's he reaches like, into the glove box and yes, pulls yeah. out a beer. So I then believe he, he's got a beer and he, he drinks the beer and then he turns the car on and he turns the turbocharger on. He puts some he, of the beer over his head because and he pours so the beer hot. on himself and then he punches it and somehow the car Drives comes out, out of the ground. The it's, ground. It's the worst scene ever. So dumb. It's the I greatest scene it, in the movie. I, I, Second I greatest it. scene in the movie. And they left four inept guards. Who then proceeded to be gunned down? So then, so then, yeah. This, so then they escape and they take down the rest of the guards. And then McQuaid finds out Sally's been kidnapped by David Carradine. So he's got to go to Mexico to get her back. But uh, he's going to go alone because he's still a lone wolf. But in a uh, in a sort of Sicario twist, uh, the little the little person in the wheelchair basically comes to Lone Wolf 
and says, I know where your daughter is. And uh, we need to kind of have this. playing by our rules. Yeah, like so. this, this, we want to do the whole Medellin thing that uh, they talk about in Sicario. Oh, yeah, he says, like, I was like, my my uh, my, my drug houses were, were pinball arcades or something, right? Like, it's something like that, yeah. It's so and yeah. so, uh, so he goes, uh, basically, like, David Carradine has some merchandise that actually belongs to Little Man. And so. Uh, he's going to turn over the information so that he can go pick up his things and McQuaid can get his daughter back. So McQuaid tells everyone else they need to stay behind because this is for him to do because he's a lone wolf. And so he drives to Mexico on his own in his Texas Ranger car full of explosives and guns that they don't check at the border at all. Well, it makes sense when well, you're he's watching going it. into Mexico, so okay, that, they didn't care. Um... And then he has to stop at a gas station where people start putting flowers and stuff on his it's car. Not, hold and on, Ramos it's shows not. Up. It's not people. Ramos and Jackson. They followed him. Yeah. Wait, guys, it's not people. It's the villagers in the small Mexican town because they're rooting for him that immediately see a hero has entered the desert. That's right. And has decided to buy gas. The among great white them. hope has entered, and they are all rooting for it him. It is the most contrived, dumbest. <laughs> like they just start like, oh, this. This guy is something. They actually gonna, aren't extras. It this, was just what happens when Chuck Norris point, shows up in Mexican this villages. Might be a thing. At this point in the movie, Chuck Norris blows so many things up. There, <laughs> and there's so many dumb things happen. Like there's one point where like David Carradine's in like an armored personnel vehicle, and 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 Chuck Norris is in a bulldozer, and he try he tries to drive in, his car into the bulldozer, like. What do you think is going to happen, man? You've never seen a bulldozer doing, before? Like, the, the zoom back on each of them. Yeah. And as they're doing this, it takes long enough that the three of us are joking in the thread. Like, it's a good thing that bulldozers aren't explicitly made in order to push big, heavy objects <laughs> at slow speeds. What the hell? Uh, during this scene, though, there's, there's the shooting a gun and everything explodes. Uh, all the cliche things happen. Yeah, there's a truck that's apparently made of gasoline. Uh, can we can we talk about the quick ending that is my favorite part of the movie? Yep, oh. do it. It's when the little man shows up in the helicopter and basically thanks Chuck Norris for saving his drug operation. And then Chuck Norris says, like, uh, you know... No, no, not... he scolds Chuck Norris. Yes, yeah, for because... For allowing the merchandise to blow yes. up with everything else. And then as Chuck Norris just walks by him, doesn't say anything, and immediately the little man goes... Well, what am I going to do? And I'm like, what do you mean? And then from there, Chuck Norris and his friends say, hey, we're going to steal your helicopter. <laughs> but at some point, the the little man just like, uncue, just says his line early, like, you can't leave me. And Chuck Norris is like, oh, you know what? That's a good idea. I will leave him. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing at the ending was when uh, Lola, the, the, the love interest of Chuck Norris, says that David Carradine was forcing her to... Uh, had killed her husband, was forcing her to to be his arm candy, and she actually loved Lone Wolf McQuaid the whole time. Yes. That as she, as oh. she died for taking a bullet for the daughter. Oh, my God. That part was made me laugh. It's, um, uh, Nathan, I feel like you Remember kinda... when McQuaid ran straight into gunfire for, like, literally 30 <laughs> seconds? Yep. Someone shooting an automatic weapon at him in a wide arc. For thirty consecutive seconds, and he th- with a grenade in his hand, so he could throw the grenade at the building. Uh, yes. Do you remember the part where uh, Jackson and Ramos just shot stuff with rocket launchers? Yeah, for, that part was cool. Like a minute and a half. Yeah, Ramos just shows up with a bazooka, and he's just <laughs> and Jackson has a grenade everything. launcher. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
if we're overselling how funny this movie is, we apologize because this movie wasn't really that funny. It was, was really say, stupid. Nathan kind of summed was it up. Not good. It, it wasn't funny enough to be. It wasn't stupid enough to be super funny all the time. And it wasn't serious enough to. It wasn't trying to be serious enough to be actually good. Like the thing about sudden death that made it great was like they were earnestly trying to make a really good movie, and it was stupid. So it was funny. This movie, it's not even. They're not even. It's not like they wasn't trying to be dramatic. It was like trying to be kind of funny, but it wasn't. It was quite like. A, weird 12 year old wrote this so we're gonna go around the circle each of us is gonna propose one change so a total of six changes that we think would make this a good movie okay i want to tell you one can i tell you a couple things about this movie yeah uh the film was originally rated r but chuck norris appealed the decision and got it changed rating to a pg (laughs) wow that is oh man that is a gather around kids we're gonna watch pg back in the day unbelievable to me this script was originally called Lone Wolf Gonzalez, and it was based on a real Texas Ranger who lived named Manuel T. Gonzalez. Oh, I'm glad we could appropriate that. Uh, that is a real person. For uh, the record, the screenplay was written by the person who wrote the screenplay for Scanners 2. And Scanners 3. And Scanners 3, and Orion's Key. By the way, and guys. And something it, called Dirt Merchant. Those are the two worst Scanners movies. And an episode, do you know, Scanners 4 is pretty bad. This um, movie was in re- an episode of Renegade starring Laurel, <laughs> Lorenzo, Lorenzo Lamas. Lamas. Just okay. one episode, though. So, uh, two other things. Sorry, I had two more. Um, this film was turned down by every studio, including Orion. But because Orion had a project fall through, they were like, well, we'll do this. And then the the director was a big fan of Sergio Leone. And you can tell because the the score is a straight-up ripoff of Once Upon a Time in the West. Like, yes. Not even, they're not even trying to hide it. <laughs> no. Uh, it's like, oh, yeah, this is... They, they just changed, like, three notes. It was the Vanilla Ice... Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-ding! Uh, <laughs> of of uh, movie, movie scores. Um, okay. Uh, one thing I would change. You ready? Just anyone but Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris has the acting range of... Um, uh, of Chuck of Norris. A pa- of a p- picture of Chuck Norris. Like, it's just... He just doesn't convey emotion at all um he can do uh neutral and angry i mean he just doesn't like give me anything so like in the goofy parts they're not funny uh the the parts that are supposed to be emotional they're just not emotional because he's so flat in his affect and like the way he just acts so i'm just i'm just bored like if you just can if you can let that go the fact that the main guy is just like super super nothing so is there someone is there someone you can think of like if okay so we're remaking this movie who would you cast in that spot like modern or am i going am i in a time let's do modern we're remaking it we're doing we're doing remake of lone wolf mcquade we're doing 2019 lone Lone wolf Wolf mcquade it's got to be someone who looks good with their shirt off because chuck norris had his shirt off a lot in this movie i got this you better get it okay so it's got to be something it's probably got to be someone with a beard. I've got he's a playing, category. It doesn't he, have to be a beard, Nathan. You're so close. Because he's, he's the Texas Ranger. I'm, And it's got to be someone who does kung fu because there's a dumb kung fu element it's in this on movie. on the tip of your tongue. For, for no reason. Um, I'm going to go. This is hard. Eric, go ahead. Tell me yours first. It's Jason Statham. Ugh, no. Oh, oh no. It's so stupid. It's got to be Jason, Jason Statham. Jason Statham in a lead role doesn't make anything better. I'm, this movie's not going to be good no matter what you do. Chris it's going to be hilarious. I don't like Chris Pratt either. <laughs> no, it would be, it would be uh, naturally right, funny. Who's someone who has like a really hairy chest? Because that's one thing I noticed about Chuck John Norris C. Riley in this movie. Is oh he, my God, John C. Riley. If John C. C. Riley's willing to get on steroids and get buff for this movie, then no, sure. it would be way better if he wasn't. No, no. Uh, dude, you got either steer into the action or steer into the comedy. I'm going to go with uh, Ben Foster. 
that's that's well, Ben my, Foster would actually be really good. In that yeah, role. that's so my, you that's you want to actually make a, a an Oscar caliber. I would want film. to make like a good Lone Wolf McQuaid movie. I'd Three lean ten. In, to I'd lean away Wolf. from the weird stuff. The 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 uh, wheelchair guy. Oh, see, uh, you're going the opposite direction. I would me. probably try to like make it like a little because the movie did have like gritty dramatic elements that I thought were kind of neat. Um, Nathan's trying to rewrite this entire movie and call you it, have to to be good to make it good. And call it McQuaid okay. Eric, the the guy. Eric, who's your who's your number? Who's your R? What's your one thing you'd fix? Okay, uh, said this earlier. Little more of the little man. Lead into a the lot, silliness. A, lead into the silliness. Uh, take a note from Roadhouse. You have your Ben Gazzara and the guy who uh, fucked people like Patrick Swayze in prison. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it was you know it was a cool tandem there. Have the little man be the huge villain and use David Carradine as the guy who would uh, rate Patrick Swayze. Okay. Uh, yeah, Carradine. I would lean into um, the uh, the stupidity and stereotyping. So I would have the little man be the person who is leading everything. Uh, they would be in charge. I mean, he kind of was. The David Carradine character I would have replaced with a actual um, Asian martial arts expert who legitimately could pull off good action scenes. Um who just doesn't really talk and just says threatening things every once in a while. And then uh, he would have, like, legions of Hispanic people to um, run the actual drug operation. Just lean into the already moderately racist angle that exists in the movie. Are you saying that that David Carradine was not a good martial artist? I am saying that David Carradine was not used in a way that made any sense in every action scene in that movie. Have you watched watched Kung Fu? Yes. I mean, that it's in the name. And then the legend continued. Yeah, it did. I don't know why, but it did. All the way to Singapore. David Carradine was weird, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Any, uh, all right, Kevin, what would you do to fix it? That's, I did it. That's right. what I would do. All right. So any, anything else we need to say about Lone Wolf McQuaid? Nope. We went way over what we should have. Yeah. Um, if you want to watch this movie still, go for it. Tell us what you think. If you Amazon want, Prime. If you love this movie. Don't waste your time. Okay. Tell <laughs> us why. I, I'm, I'm really interested to know. And thank you, Chuck Norris's mom, for writing into the podcast and telling us why you love your son's movie. All right. For, for Eric Ronnebeck, for Kevin Garber, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. with me.